Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Today we are back in the Gospel of Matthew, so welcome to our 11 o'clock service. I want to welcome you and encourage you to keep on coming. We are going through the Bible book by book. We go through chapter by chapter and verse by verse. That's just the way I like to teach. Um, I wanted to, uh, to, again, to thank uh, Pastor Hal from last week. He, uh, he introduced us to uh, Jesus' ministry of calling ordinary people. And I'm so glad God calls ordinary people because we're, we're ordinary. We're just ordinary people that God can use in extraordinary ways. Last week, we found out that Jesus was, was called Simon and Andrew and James and John, and they were, they were brothers, and they were fishermen. They were just hardworking fishermen. But literally, the men that Jesus chose, along with the Holy Spirit, changed the, the world. So that's just an encouragement for us. Today, we'll be finishing up uh, the fourth chapter of Matthew. We'll be in the Beatitudes in just a couple weeks. Uh, my message for today is entitled, Teaching preaching and healing, teaching, preaching, and healing. And you'll see for a minute why we do that. You know, these are just three of the ministries of Jesus. Jesus was the real McCoy. He was the kind of pastor you really want. I know you like me, but he's the pastor you, you really want because he could do it all. He could cast vision. He could find the right volunteers. He could encourage people. He could organize. He could plan. But most importantly, he could teach and preach and heal. So if you want to follow along with the scripture today, it's in your bulletin, it's in your Bibles, and it's on the screen, beginning in verse 23. The word says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And his fame went through all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the, the Gordon. Beyond the Jordan. Now, we said that Jesus was in Galilee. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, we said the reason. He was in Nazareth, but he wasn't appreciated in Nazareth. And he went to Galilee. Galilee, And Galilee is the far northern part of what we know as Israel. It's beyond Samaria. It was a, a mixed group. There were Gentiles up there, meaning they were pagans. They were pagans. And there would be a Jewish town, and right next to it would be a, a Gentile town. There were Jews and Gentiles. There was over, the scholars tell us there was over a million people in Galilee. It was a very large area because it could support a lot of people. There was a, a lake there called the Sea of Galilee. There was lots of fishing. There was lots of agriculture. There's lots of ways for people to be able to support themselves. And it was a, a lot of people. Now, Jesus would remain and he would headquarters his ministry right there in Galilee for most of his ministry. This is where he would select his disciples. And the Bible says that he would reach the multitudes. And his method of reaching the multitudes was our topic for today. He would teach, he would preach, and he would heal. He would do all three of those things. Now, historians tell us that there were over 200 villages and towns right in Galilee where Jesus would travel. Um, this is, uh, this is uh, unlike Judah. Judah basically was an arid area, very rocky. And Judah, the southern uh, territory of Israel, was almost all primarily Jewish people. 
But in Galilee, there were a lot of Gentiles, and they would flock to him. Uh, now, the Jewish towns like Capernaum, where Jesus was, had synagogues. Synagogues were relatively new for Judah. They used to have the temple, but after they were dispersed to Babylon, they started building houses of worship, just like we do. They would have these houses of worship. And we've always wondered about these houses of worship, but the scholars tell us that the houses of worship were much like our modern-day churches, meaning that it was a mixed multitude. They would have men, women, and children listening to the local rabbis. That was not like the temple. In the temple, you had the, the court of the Gentiles, where they could be. They had the court of the women and the court of the men. They would be separated in different groups. But the synagogues were not like that. The other thing the synagogues did, which, which really benefited Jesus as well as Paul later, is they would open the pulpit to those that had something to say. Local and itinerant rabbis, people that were teaching, they would give them the mic, so to speak. They would allow people to speak. We saw Jesus doing that. He opened the scroll in Isaiah where it was read and he would read them out of Isaiah. The apostle Paul would often go to these synagogues, which were great gathering places for people that believed, and he would teach them. He would teach them. And this is what Jesus did. Now, along with that, Jesus would also go out to the mountains, and he'd go out to the hillside and preach from boats, so be able to reach multitudes of people, people that normally wouldn't go into the, to the synagogues. It was interesting. I, I like history, as you know, and one of the earlier archaeological excavations was in the town of Magdala, you know it as Magdalene, okay? Mary of Magdalene, okay? Or Mag Mary Magdalene. And Magdala was a very large Jewish town, and they uncovered the synagogue, and the synagogue was huge. They didn't realize that synagogue got that big. It, it was literally over 100 yards long. I mean, that's, that's a huge synagogue, and it had multiple rooms. One of the rooms was for the scrolls, of course, the main room was for the gathering and the reading of the, the scriptures, the reading of the Torah. But then they also had an area where they had different mikvahs. These are little baptismals like we have. And there were 12 of them, 12 of them baptismals, because this was part of the Jewish rite of, of, uh, of uh, purification. So let's go ahead and get to the, to the scripture today. Again, we're going to be teaching. We're, our, our, minister, our, our teaching today is on teaching, preaching, and healing. Verse 23 says this, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And I like the order here. I want to call your attention to the order. It's teaching first, then preaching, and then healing. And I think that's a, a good model for today, and I'll, and I'll basically tell you why. Um, for those of you that know me know that I, I like to teach. I'm primarily a teacher. I'm not much of a preacher. I'm a teacher. I, I like being able to take the scripture, the word of God, and be able to, to, to expose it, to be able to deliver it. That's what Jesus would do. He would, he would teach. And so the question is, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? Sometimes we use them, you know, who's the preacher? Who's teaching today? We kind of use them as if they're the same, but they're really different. You see, what teaching does, teaching exposes the truth. Teaching is really about the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus taught the truth, and because Jesus taught the truth, he taught the people often about himself. The people were familiar with some of the scriptures and what the scribes and the Pharisees says, but Jesus was the true source of all truth. You know, Jesus, I said that teaching can be defined by this word truth because Jesus referenced the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees, but often he would say something like this. He would say, you have heard it said, 
And then he would say, but I tell you. See, he would, he would take what other people had said and he would explain it more clearly. He would be able to reveal the truth of the scriptures because, of course, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word of God. So if Jesus is exposing the scriptures, if he's expounding on the scriptures, he's telling about the truth. Uh, Jesus was different from the other religious leaders. And uh, in, in Matthew chapter 7, for example, it says this. It says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished by his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, so Jesus' teachings included what we know as the Torah, which is the, the law and the prophets. And he would also uh, do poetry. The Beatitudes that we're going to get into, for example, are basically poetry. They're poetry, but they, again, reveal the truth. So we define the teachings of Jesus as exposing the truth. It says that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. That's declaring and proclaiming the truth and then preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So I'm going to make a difference here between teaching and preaching. And the difference between teaching and preaching isn't content or manner. It really has to do with urgency. Preaching is about urgency. Preaching is about teaching. So if we say that teaching is about the truth, preaching is about the urgency of the truth. See, all ministries really need to start with the truth because that's the foundation we build. We build the foundation on the, on the truth. But then we find out that there is an opportunity for urgency. Urgency. When I think of urgency, I think of an evangelist coming into town, right? And saying, today is the day of salvation. One of the, my heroes of the faith is a guy named Billy Graham. You guys know Billy Graham. I, had, I never had the opportunity to meet Billy Graham. He was, it's, it's too bad because there were some opportunities. I, I could have probably traveled and tried to go out of my way, but it, it was kind of like fouling after a star, and I didn't feel that that was appropriate. I, if there was an opportunity to do that, I would have loved to do it, but I did get to preach at his pulpit once, which was amazing. It's after he had passed away, uh, but I was invited to speak at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association uh, Chapel. And they've got about 300 employees, so they had 300 employees come in on Wednesday morning for a chapel service, and I was their guest speaker. And I was so aware that the pulpit that I was teaching at was, was, was Billy Graham's. That was, such, that was so humbling and such, a, such an honor as well. But, but Billy Graham would speak of the urgency, the urgency of people understanding who Jesus Christ was. You know, Billy Graham from 1947, when he first had did his first crusade in Grand Rapids, we have good friends from Grand Rapids in the back, Grand Rapids, Michigan, to 2005 in New York, he preached to 417 crusades in 185 countries. Isn't that amazing? What a man of God. His first crusade was in Grand Rapids on September of 1947, and he spoke at the Civic Auditorium in Grand Rapids, and he spoke to 6,000 people. Now, I'm from Michigan, so let me tell you a little bit about Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids has more churches than they have gas stations. In fact, we used to say that you can't throw a rock in Grand Rapids and not hit a church. I mean, there are, there are churches everywhere. Not only churches, but there are great colleges and universities. For example, Calvin College is there, Cornerstone University, Reformed Bible College, Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, and Grace Christian University are just some that I happen to know that are all within the metropolitan area of Grand Rapids. Now, the reason I say this is not so much that, that, um, that, that Billy Graham was cheating because he went to Grand Rapids, okay, where there were a lot of Christians. It's easy to get 6,000 people to see Billy Graham when you go to a, a Christian town. 
But the reason I say this is because he was effective. And the reason it was effective because people already were exposed to the truth of the gospel. The people that came to Billy Graham's crusade often were church people. They were curious to hear this charismatic preacher, this person, this itinerant preacher that would come. Billy Graham was, a, was an evangelist. He wasn't a, a senior pastor of a church. He didn't carry a business card that said, you know, Billy Graham, senior pastor of First Church. You know, that's what we do. He was an evangelist. He talked about the urgency of people coming to Jesus, and they were, they were curious. Now, the people that often came to Billy Graham crusades, and they, by their own testimony, says, say that they were what's called nominal Christians. Have you ever heard that word? Nominal Christian. Nominal means in name only. Because what they found was this, is that even though they had been going to church since they were a child, maybe they were baptized, maybe they saw, taught Sunday school, or maybe they went to Sunday school, they hadn't really changed there was no fruit in their life. There was nothing different about their life than their neighbor that didn't go to church. There was no evidence that they had repented of their sins, that they had made Jesus the Lord of their life. There was no evidence. And Billy Graham, in his preaching, they were changed. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't Billy Graham that changed them. It was the Lord that changed them. It was the Holy Spirit. But Billy Graham spoke of the urgency of understanding who Jesus Christ was. And that was the order that, that's so important. We, we teach people the gospel because there is an urgency. And when they understand the urgency, they make a, de a decision. You know, all too often, impassioned speakers, gifted speakers, can get people all emotional. And they can get them all worked up. And they can get them to commit to something that might not be the truth. For example, we have Hitler. I mean, Hitler told the, told, the, um, told the German people that they were exalted. They were better than anybody else. They were the, the special race. They were better than anybody else. And then also he turned to the Jewish people and he said they were scum. They were lower than low. They were, they were subhuman. You know, a gifted speaker, a false preacher can convince you, for example, that some of the things we read in the Bible aren't for today that we don't have to worry about living a pure and sanctified life, that those, that was for yesterday, but we don't have to worry about that anymore because they're, they're preaching, preaching with passion, but they're not teaching you the truth. That's why we always want to start with the truth. We always start with the truth, and truth, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Preaching always follows teachings. Now let's move on. I have a three-point sermon. We have teaching, <laughs> preaching, and healing. Verse 23 says this, it says, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And I'm going to find healing this way. Jesus' practice of healing those with all kinds of sicknesses demonstrated that Jesus was authentic. And that's what healing does. Healing is a sign that what's being taught is authentic. They were signs that Jesus was the Messiah. The Gospel of John Gospel of John calls that these were signs. He talks about seven signs, seven different healings, miraculous things that Jesus did, showing that Jesus was the authentic Messiah. You know, the testimony of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's over 40 distinct um, miracles that Jesus does of healing. And the thing is, is that like verse 23 that we looked at today, Jesus is not just healing a person. He's healing a multitude, a multitude. So scholars estimate that Jesus easily could have, could have healed thousands, if not tens of thousands of people, all through Galilee and Judea, Judah as well. And this was to show that Jesus' ministry was authentic. 
authentic. Now, the apostle John, who I referenced, who was there for most of his ministry, he traveled with Jesus for about three years, says this in his Gospel of John. He says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. In the very next chapter, in chapter 21, John writes, And there were so many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the, all the books of the world would not be able to contain all the things that Jesus did. Okay, John is, is telling you that Jesus was a healer. Jesus went teaching, preaching, but he also healed. Verse 24 says this, he says, Then his fame th went through all Syria, Syria's Gentile country, by the way. That's, that's Gentile people up there. His fame went through Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. You know, there's a saying in many churches, maybe you've heard it too, if you feed them, they will come. Have you heard that? We did that often. That, and that's why we had potlucks on Fridays. That's why we'd have ice cream socials on Saturday. If you feed them, they will, will come. Well, also, if you heal them, they will come. And Jesus healed people. Remember, at one time, he healed, he healed 5,000 people, not including women and children, which meant there was probably 10,000, with five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread and two fish. Another story has him healing, uh, feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of, of, of bread and a few fish. But Jesus healed the people. Jesus healed the people, and they came to Jesus because he was the authentic. Verse 25 says, Great multitudes followed him from Judea and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And this is the reason, this is the order, teaching, preaching, and then healing. You see, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same healer that he was before. The Bible tells us this in, James, in, the, gospel, in the epistle of James. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. You know, in our ministry, in many ministries, we anoint with oil. I visited some of you in the hospital and I've anointed you with oil. Why? Because the Bible says anoint with oil and believe that God is still a, a healer. Now, does God heal all the time? No. No, God does not. That's not always his will. I mean, sometimes there's the ultimate healing and the resurrection, right? We get new bodies. Isn't that going to be great? We get new bodies and we can do things that we used to do when we were younger. That's in the resurrection. But God does heal. He does do amazing things. What we don't do is we don't follow after those who claim to have fame because they have a healing ministry. And the reason we don't do that is because we've been taught the Word of God. If you've been taught the Word of God, you realize that every time that Jesus healed, He healed instantly. You didn't have to go home and start feeling better after a few weeks. You were healed instantly. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That's Mark 131, the centurion's servant, without even being there. He raised Jairus' daughter uh, from the dead instantly. The paralytic, they were all healed immediately. They didn't have to go home. They didn't have to wait later to get, to, to, to get better. Now, my hesitancy in, in flocking to healers is not because God doesn't have the ability to heal. It's that people don't have the ability to heal. 
It's always about God. You know, we don't have to go to Lord's French, for example. People still go there, okay, because of an apparition that some people had, supposedly, and they go there to be healed. We don't have to go to the Toronto Blessing or Carpenter's Home Church here in, in, uh, in Lakeland. The scripture says that Jesus' fame went through all Syria. They followed him and healed them of all of their diseases. We have to remember the order. The order is teaching followed by preaching followed by healing. If we get out of order, we're in trouble. So let me close with this. I, I mentioned Billy Graham before, his, his earlier crusade in, in Grand Rapids, and then his last crusade was in New York City in 2005. And I thought what I'd do today, just to close, was to talk a little bit about Billy Graham, but let Billy Graham talk for himself. Basically, the words of Billy Graham. This is, this is my hero. I, I, I love that man. Um, Billy Graham in 2005, this was his, his final large message to a crusade. Uh, presidents were in the audience, dignitaries were in the audience, the mayor was in the audience, and Billy Graham ended this way. Listen for the urgency. Billy said this, he said, you may not have the power to change your whole life that you know needs to be changed, but if you surrender to Christ, he'll give you the power. You, you may say, well, Billy, I, I don't know what else to do. I've been baptized, I joined the church and so forth. I, I really don't have peace, however, in my heart. No joy, no power. If you're not sure today that you're ready to meet God, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, and you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you come, and you make sure tonight. I believe that none of you are here by accident tonight. I believe that you are here on this particular night because this is the night that you are to meet God in a new way and receive him into your heart. And then he says this, this is an urgent decision because a delay makes the right decision harder. Indecision is itself a choice. Not to decide is decide not to. You need to surrender to Christ and make him Lord and Savior of your life. Now, why do I ask you to come forward? Have you ever wondered that? Billy Graham says, why do I ask you to come forward? Because every person Jesus called in the New Testament, he called publicly. He said, if you're not willing to acknowledge me before men, I'm not, I'm not willing to acknowledge you before my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus died on the cross publicly for you. Now you must come publicly and, I say, and say yes to him. And I'm going to ask everyone to be now quiet in an attitude of prayer so those can cast their vote tonight and vote for Jesus. You know you need him and we're going to wait for you. Isn't that amazing? That's how Billy Graham closed his crusades. And you can go through all of his crusades and he always closed the same way, that there was an urgency. That's what preachers do. There's an urgency to, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And notice he was saying, I, I know what you're saying. I, I was baptized. I, I go to church, but you're still lacking something. He's an amazing man. Now, they always, the end of Billy Graham's crusade was just as I am, just as I am. And that, that's a, a wonderful song as well. And Billy Graham would just kind of wait and allow people to come forward and make that decision. <coughs> Billy Graham was an amazing man, God's anointed evangelist. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We start with teaching. Occasionally we get to preaching, God still heals, but there's an urgency that Jesus Christ wants you to make him the Lord of your life. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. So Father God, we want to thank you. have been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors. 
a Ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.